The following audio is from First Baptist Pelham in Pelham, Alabama. More information about First Baptist Pelham is available at fbcpelham.org. Thank you, ladies. That was beautiful. Take your copy of God's Word, please, and turn with me to the book of Acts. I'm preaching my last four sermons. This is the first in the series of four, and my theme for this month is Finishing Strong, and I appreciate you praying for me. I'm glad I'm here. The last thing I did was I taught my class on Wednesday night, and uh, when I got home that night, I could hardly walk, and so I've I've been staying off my feet and been giving myself, uh, putting my feet in our whirlpool tub and uh, doing things to encourage the circulation in my feet, so I'm glad I'm here this morning, and I appreciate your praying for me. And I'm going to ask us to stand together as we show our respect for the reading of the Word of God, and I'm going to stand as I read, although I'll preach from the stew. Uh, because I love the Word of God, and I want to stand in honor of the Word of our Savior. This is the Word of the living God. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. And that I did not shrink back from proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching it to you in public and from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am on my way to Jerusalem bound in my spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there except that in town after town, The Holy Spirit testifies to me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I count my life of no value to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you will ever see my face again. Everyone I went about preaching the kingdom to. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of everyone's blood, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock that the Holy Spirit has appointed you to as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And men will rise up from your own number with deviant doctrines to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years I did not stop warning each one of you with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the message of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands have provided for my needs and for those that were with me. In every way, I've shown you that by laboring like this, it is necessary to help the weak and to keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus, for he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. After he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There was a great deal of weeping by everyone They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they escorted him to the ship. May God add his blessings to the reading of his holy word. You may be seated.
You know, in the life of the Apostle Paul, there are a lot of highlights. Uh, certainly his conversion on the Damascus Road was a highlight. His call when he was a part of the church um, that uh, he and Barnabas were serving so faithfully uh, up in Antioch. And they were called out to go by the Holy Spirit to go on Paul's first missionary journey. And so Paul is coming to the end of his second missionary journey. And as he comes to the end, he comes back to Ephesus, actually comes to Miletum, which is the seacoast town nearest Ephesus. And he sends for the elders of the church at Ephesus to come and see him. He is about to board a ship to go to Jerusalem, and he's going to turn him in, turn himself in to the Roman authorities there. And as a Roman citizen, he has appealed uh, his trial even unto Caesar. So he knew that he would go from city to city and as he went from city to city, he would not go as he had gone before, preaching the gospel, going wherever God opened doors, but he would literally go in change. He would be a prisoner of Rome. Someone has remarked that that was just God's way of getting Rome to pay for the last mission trip Paul was going to be on, that every trip he took, even his trip to Rome in chains, was a mission trip. And he knew that was going to happen. Paul spent most of his ministry, the most of his ministry, anything that we know about in Ephesus. Some Bible scholars believe he spent over three years there, maybe three and a quarter years there. Some Bible scholars believe he spent as little as 18 months there, but a Jewish mind would have thought uh, 18 months would be part of a year, a whole year, and part of another year. And to the Jewish mind, that was three months, uh, three years. So uh, we aren't sure exactly how many days he spent in Ephesus, but it's obvious that Paul spent much time in Ephesus and that Paul was very precious uh, to the people in the church at Ephesus and also that Paul had come to say farewell to them. Now, as I retire this month, I have two statements that I want to make my statements uh, for the rest of my life. Well, one of them has been my goal for many years, uh, many years ago, I came up with the phrase, be sweet and love Jesus. And I try to remind myself of that. I don't always do it, uh, but I try to remind myself, be sweet and love Jesus. I especially try to remind myself when I'm behind the wheel of the car, uh, because that is when I am least likely to be sweet and love Jesus. Although I felt better yesterday, St. Mary came back from one of her trips and St. Mary confessed to laying down on her horn because the guy almost caused a terrible accident. He came over speeding, and obviously she was in his blind spot, and she said when he came over, I came over, and I had to go over two lanes to dodge him, and she said, God bless me, there was nobody in those two lanes. But she said, and after I got over that, I sat down on my horn, and I said, thank you, Lord. Because now I can remind St. Mary, if Brother Mike blows the horn, that even St. Mary blew the horn on a given day. But uh, uh, be sweet and love Jesus are words that I've tried to live by. Uh, my words to live by in retirement are going to be, I'm going to make the rest of my life the best of my life. And another one is, I'm going to live more on my dreams than in my memories. Now, I'm not going to forget uh, at least I hope I don't forget. Sometimes, you know, when you get old, you forget everything, you know. You forget your keys. You forget whether or not you had breakfast, you know, uh, things like that. I haven't gotten there yet. I, I may get there. I have forgotten some things. But uh, names are, I don't know about why it is about names. Uh, but names, I think, I, I recognize faces. And in fact, I speak to everybody in Walmart because I'm afraid they're a church member I just didn't recognize. And uh, 
Uh, I'm afraid I might get arrested here in my last month of saying, there's a guy in Walmart, he's just too friendly. He's greeting everybody, and he doesn't even work at Walmart. He's getting one of those Walmart vests. He's going to greet everybody. But I, I speak there. I don't want anybody to think, well, Brother Mike, just uh, he saw me and shunned me. So if you see me speaking to people I don't know, just say, well, bless his heart, all right? And you'll get there someday, too. Uh, but, but I really do want to make the rest of my life the best of my life. And so I wanted to give credit where credit is due. So I went to my wonderful source of uh, information, the Internet, and I found that this saying, uh, I choose to make the rest of my life the best of my life, uh, was attributed to a lady named Louise Hay, who is an Australian. She's a motivational speaker. And uh, Louise is, according to what I saw, in her 80s. Now, from the picture she has on her website, Louise is either well-preserved, uses a lot of makeup, or knows somebody with a good airbrush, one of the three. I don't know which one it is. But I don't always uh, endorse what Louise Hay says, but I do endorse this. And this is Senior Adult Day, so this is to the senior adults, but it's really to everybody. I hope everybody here will choose to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Paul really gives us an insight on that as he gets ready to say goodbye to the Ephesian elders. First of all, he says, let's remember the past. And he says, I, I remember my past service. He said, you know, from the first day I set foot in Asia, that means first time I, I hit the ground, I hit the ground running, he said, I, I was with you the whole time serving the Lord. Now that's great. I hope you understand that we're given every day we're given to serve the Lord. Uh, every day is a day of service, not just on Sunday. We come, and you know, we call this worship service. But let me remind you, worship is a privilege, and worship is a blessing. Uh, we, don't, we, we, need to, we need to honor God by worshiping him, but we do most of the service we do for God outside the walls of the church. Paul did, uh, because he, he was only in the church a short time, but he ministered every day outside the walls of the church. So he said, I remember my past service there in Ephesus. And he said, I also had some past sorrows. He said, how I served the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. Now, if you've lived very long, you've had some tears and you've had some sorrows. Uh, but don't dwell on that. Paul said, there were times when I went through that, but I made it through it. Thank God. Uh, when God brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. And we can look back, and there have been times when I've wept here. Uh, there have been times when I didn't have words to say. Uh, but God was faithful in all those times. So he remembered his past service. He remembered his past sorrows. He remembered his past sermons. Notice what he said. And that I did not shrink back from proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching it to you in public and from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. And you say, well, that's really good for you and Paul because y'all are preachers. Well, you're exactly right. Paul and I are preachers, but guess what? You're a preacher too. You see, we preach not just from the pulpit. And we teach not just from the Sunday school class. I'm a preacher seven days a week. I'm preaching a sermon when I'm out visiting the hospitals. I'm preaching a sermon when I'm witnessing to a lost person. I'm preaching a sermon when I'm helping someone. Uh, there was a lot of preaching that went on this week. I was so thankful to see the volunteers just pour out. 
after the, after the tornadoes came through. And many of those volunteers were Baptist volunteers. There were others from other churches. And I rejoice at that. What were they doing? Oh, they were helping people after a tornado. No, they were preaching a sermon. You know what sermon they were preaching? They were preaching the sermon, God loves you and we do too. And that'd be a good thing for some of us to do. If we're physically able, we ought to get out there and we ought to find somebody whose life has been devastated by a storm. Let me remind you that sometimes what we do speaks so loudly that people cannot hear what we say because what we do doesn't back up what we say. Make sure your actions confirm your preaching. Paul said, I even worked with my own hands. He was a tent maker, and while he was in Ephesus, he worked as a tent maker, and he gave money to help those who couldn't support themselves. He tells us that. He preached while he worked as a tent maker. So no matter what you're doing, if you're a school teacher, uh, you're preaching a sermon. Uh, if you work in a hospital, you're preaching a sermon. If you work in a bank, you're preaching a sermon. Uh, no matter where you are, if you're a fireman or policeman, you're preaching a sermon and how you live your life. So Paul remembered the past in Ephesus. But then he also said, and now, in verse 22. You see, he shifts from remembering the past and what had happened. He says, and now. And he said, first of all, respond with the right attitude. He says, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, bound in my spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there. None of us knows what tomorrow brings. Just a few weeks ago, Donnie was out doing what Donnie does, working hard. In fact, uh, the day after the uh, Easter celebration we had, Brother Donnie made a quick trip up to Milan carrying the stuff we had borrowed from Milan. Uh, Donnie and all of the things that we assign him to do helps to set up all of our special services, and sometimes he borrows things from other churches that keeps us from having to buy them or rent them and spend a lot of money. And the day after it was over, he wanted them back. I appreciate his zealousness. And before that week was over, though, Donnie was in the hospital uh, having survived a pulmonary embolism. And uh, uh, Donnie has always had the right attitude. He's always been a take-charge kind of guy. Brother Donnie, you and I are learning some new things in, in these past days. Uh, you're learning you can't always do what you want to do, and you can't always do what you've done in the past. But Paul had the right attitude. You know, that's, that's the important thing in life. Life is about 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to what happens to us. Now, I'm fixing to retire. You know, I really am. I, I, when I announced this in November, I thought, well, that's a long time, six months, a long time. Man, it has flown by. I don't know where it has gone. And, and I plan not to be out of the pulpit, but one time uh, this spring, I was asked to go back to Centerpoint and preach the 100th anniversary of Centerpoint, where I met Mary, where we fell in love, where we married, where I was ordained, and where uh, people poured themselves into me so that I could be a pastor and serve the Lord for 43 years. And I was able to go back and preach on that day, and I certainly enjoyed going back. Uh, but, but I want to respond to retirement with the right attitude. Uh, part of it's been goody, goody, goody. Uh, I have a birthday on Wednesday. I'll be 66 years old on Wednesday. Guess what Wednesday it is? It's the, it, it, it's the, the sec, I think it's the second Wednesday of the month. Maybe it's just the first Wednesday. I may have to wait a week to rejoice. Uh, uh, but I get my Social Security check on the second Wednesday of the month. 
I love the second Wednesday. That's my favorite day of the month. You say, even though your birthday may not be on the second Wednesday, I don't care. I love the second Wednesday of the month. Finally, after all these years, started working when I was 16. Now I'm 66. And the government is sending me money for the first time. I have a great attitude about that. And those of y'all that are working and contributing to Social Security, thank you, thank you, thank you. And keep it up. All you young people, I encourage you, go to work as soon as you can. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how quick it'll take me to get a raise, so I appreciate that. Listen, I'm excited about retirement. Will I miss pastoring? Yes, I will. Will I miss serving as your pastor? Yes, I will. You say, well, why are you retiring? It's time. I told God, God, tell me when it's time for me to retire, and I'll retire. And he told me, and I think he told me before he told anybody else. I asked him to do that. And I told it to the hardest person to tell, told it to Mary. And I immediately knew she wasn't ready for that. And she's still not ready for that. She may not be ready for this a year from now, but she'll adjust. You see, I know she'll have the right attitude. Life is 90% what, how we respond to what happens to us, 10% what happens to us. So respond with the right attitude and respond with the right actions. He said, except that in town after town, the Holy Spirit testifies that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. Now, he's not saying, woe is me. I'm going to go in chains and affliction. You know why he didn't say that? Because he knew the secret of strength. You see, Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and he prayed three times, Lord, remove this thorn in the flesh. And Jesus chose not to remove it, but Jesus said these words to Paul, my grace is sufficient. And Paul knew that whatever he faced, God's grace is sufficient. And I can tell you today, senior adults, I can tell you, whatever you face, I look out here at Brother Larry Smith, and oh, what a soldier Brother Larry has been. Uh, some of you may not realize that when you walk the corridors of this building, uh, this building would not be here like it is, wasn't for Larry Smith and the building committee. You say, why are you saying that? I say that because it's the truth. You know what Brother Larry said? He said, Brother Mike, uh, you work on the church and I'll build the building. And I said, Brother Larry, I, I like that. That's good. And, and God sent Brother Larry to us at just the right time. And Brother Larry put his heart and soul in this building. We would not have this building like we do if it weren't for Brother Larry. Brother Larry's facing some health challenges now. But Brother Larry knows that God's grace is going to be sufficient for him because God's strength is made perfect through weakness. In fact, he, Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So respond with the right actions. He said, wherever I go, I'm going to testify to the grace of God. And he did that. He was able to testify before kings and princes and governors. In fact, he even got to share the gospel in Caesar's household as a prisoner of Rome. And then thirdly, respond with the right affection. I love this. He says, but I count my life of no value to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. What was the supreme love of Paul's life? It was not traveling. It was not his companions. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this, young people, as you get older, remember to have Jesus Christ as your BFF, all right? Because really, he's the only one that can be your BFF. 
You may have a best friend, and if they don't know Jesus, you're not going to be able to spend eternity with them. And if you've got a best friend that doesn't know Jesus, if Jesus is your best friend, he'll lead you to tell your best friend about him. You need to do that. Paul said, I count my life of no value to myself. And let me tell you that years later, when Paul was in a Roman prison and, and was in the Mamertine prison, he wrote these words. He said, I have finished my course. What did he say to, to the, the elders there years before that happened? He said, so that I may finish my course. He said, it's my goal to finish my course. How did he do that? By loving Jesus Christ more every day. Every day we need to love him just a little bit more than we did yesterday. Because I want to tell you this. He loves us all the time. And with all of his heart, he loves us. So we remember the past. We respond to the present. But he said you need to realize the potential. And these are words we need to listen to. First of all, he said, be awake. He said, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. For I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. There are dangers from outside. Since my retirement has been announced, I've received a lot of congratulations notices. One congratulation notice I received was from a very well-known cult. And they congratulated me on finishing 35 years at Pelham and 43 years of preaching the gospel. And of course, they said of preaching the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what they said. But they don't preach the same Jesus Christ I preach. They don't preach the Jesus Christ that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. They don't preach that he was with the Father in eternity past and that he is the Son forever and that now he reigns at the right hand of the Father. They are a cult and there's danger from the outside. The leaders of this church need to be on guard of dangers from the outside. But notice what else he says. Be alert. And notice this. He said, and men from among yourselves will rise up with deviant doctrines to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert. There it is right there, Jim Minor. And it alliterates. Amen. I love it when the Bible gets me to alliterate something. And he says, be alert there. There's a danger from without. Be awake. There's a danger from within. Be alert. You know, there might be somebody in this church that gets up and has a new gospel. I want to tell you, we don't need a new gospel. We just need to preach the old gospel. You can't improve on the old gospel. The gospel, the, the truths that have been handed down to us, the truths that this Bible contains, but you need to be alert. You know, one of the doctrines that was in Paul's day was Judaism. They, uh, the Judaizers would come in and say, oh, well, well, you really can't be a Christian unless you keep the laws of Israel. Folks, I want to tell you, the church took Israel's place. When Israel rejected Jesus, the church became the people of God. Now, God still loves the Jews, and God is not through with the Jews. But I want to tell you this. Paul in Romans said, it doesn't profit you to be a Jew because the Jews rejected the Messiah. I love the Jewish people. And like Paul, I wish they would come to Christ. But you have to watch the doctrines. Be awake, be alert, but I love this. Be active. In every way I've shown you that by laboring like this, it is necessary to help the weak and to keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus. For he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
That is what some Bible scholars call the lost beatitude. You know, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Somewhere in his ministry, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than receive. It was not recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Now, I know some people say, well, if it's not in the Gospels, uh, it doesn't need to be in the Bible. You're going wrong. You're going to be a cult if you don't watch out. Don't take away from it. Don't add to it. Paul said, remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is more blessed to give than receive. The forgotten beatitude. By the way, if you have a red letter Bible and those words aren't in red, you need to write to the editor and say you left out some words of Jesus because these should be in red. You know, one of the things I want to do when I retire, I, I have to be honest, there's some things I put off. I've been wanting to do a study on the I am's of the Apostle Paul. I've been fascinated by the ones I've read. For example, I am debtor in Romans. In Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel. In Romans, I am anxious, eager to preach the gospel. Those I am's. When Jesus spoke to Paul on the Damascus Road, you know what he said to Paul? Paul said, who are you, Lord? What did Jesus say, Barry? I am Jesus. The first I am, Paul heard under conviction of the Holy Spirit, was Jesus saying, I am. And I love the I am's of Paul. And I have not had time. In fact, when I preached at the Beeson Divinity School when I was president of the state convention, I said, I want some of you young uh, theological students to maybe take into consideration doing a study on the I am's of the Apostle Paul. That shows you all the power I had as the president of Alabama Baptist Convention. Not a one of them did it, all right? They didn't do it. I guess they said, let the old man, if he lives long enough, do it. Well, one of the things I intend on doing is doing a study of the I am's of the Apostle Paul. And there's an I am of Paul that intrigues me in this passage. And I could never, ever say this, and I'm sorry that I couldn't. But this passage contains one of the greatest of those sayings. Paul said, therefore I testify to you this day, this day, right now, I testify today that I am, and I, I, I did that, That's, it's not in the scripture, but I wanted to emphasize I am, I am innocent of everyone's blood. For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole plan of God. What an I am. Paul could say under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and inscribed in God's holy word, I am innocent of the blood of all men. I could not say that. I cannot say I'm innocent of the blood of all men in New Orleans, Louisiana, where I began my pastoral ministry in 1971. I could not say that about Munford, Alabama where I served for three years when I graduated, baptized 20 people a year in what was a rural church. And, and I was known there as a soul winner. But I cannot say I'm innocent of the blood of all men in Munford. I can't say that I'm innocent of the blood of all men in Millery, Alabama, where I learned to pastor. I want to tell you this. I thank God for the three years I had in Millery 
Paul went three years to Arabia to get his gospel. I spent three years in Millery. I, I was a preacher at Munford, and I was a preacher at Carrollton Avenue. But thank God for Millery. I learned how to pastor in Millery. And I'm gonna, I'll tell you the secret. Here's the secret, all right? Well, first of all, you have to marry Mary, all right? That's the secret right there. They loved her so much, they'd have put up with me. In fact, they loved her so much, they'd have put up with me at Millery for 35 years when God called us to Pelham. But I tell you, I learned in Millery, if you minister to the children and the young people and the senior adults, you're a pastor. Because you'll, you'll minister to the adults, but you focus on the children and you focus on the young people and you focus on the senior saints and you minister to them. And God will bless your ministry. I learned that at Millery. And I came here and practiced it at Pelham for 35 years. And it's been a joy. But I have to be honest. As I sit here today and preach this message, I could not say with Paul, I am innocent of the blood of all men. Because I'm sure there are places and times when I could have presented the gospel. And I didn't. Paul is saying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and because of his dedication, this one thing I do, I press on toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus because of Paul's singular focus on ministering the word of the Lord to the lost people in the world. Paul could say to the elders at Ephesus, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. I can't say that. And let me just say this. I think if you'd be honest, you can't say that either. There are people, maybe in your family, there's a man in my family. Years and years ago, God told me the words to say, and I didn't say them. He and I were cousins. We were raised like brothers. Closest relative I had. I had no brothers or sisters. Closest relative I had in my mother's family. We were the same age. Went to school at the same time. Did a lot of things together. When I got saved, I quit doing some of those things. He wondered why. And I had the perfect opportunity to tell him. But I didn't take advantage of it. And I've grieved over that. To this day, I pray for him every day. He's still living. And I pray that he'll turn to Jesus before it's too late. I can't say that of my own family. I can't say that in my churches. I can't say that in this community. I wish I could, but I can't. But that's something for us to strive for. I am innocent of the blood of all men. Now, if you want to make the rest of your life the best of your life, remember the past. Respond to the present but realize the potential that's out there in the future. If we do that, the rest of our life will be the best of our life. It doesn't matter if you're a senior adult. It, if you're a young person, if you're a child, these things will be a blessing if you'll do them. Now today, if you've never trusted Christ, don't wait. We had a lady who came at the 8 o'clock service, joined the church. She said, reason I'm joining is everybody thinks I'm already a member. There's probably some of those folks right in this sanctuary right now. 
You say, well, preacher, I've been meaning to join the church. Well, listen, if you've been meaning to join the church while I'm pastor, you got three more Sundays after today. All right, you say, you're not going to extend it? No, because God told me to end it, and I'm not going to extend what God told me to end because God could end something else if he wanted to, and I don't want him to have to do that. I'm willing to do what he wants me to do. Some of you need to be serving the Lord. Some of you need to be in Sunday school. And it tickled me to death that some of you say, you know that preacher's been saying that so many times. I'm tired of hearing it. I'm going to go to Sunday school. Well, hallelujah. Maybe you need to make a phone call and talk to somebody about Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these words of Paul that remind us it's not up to you. It's up to us to make the rest of our life the best of our life. That you're going to be faithful and we can trust you no matter what happens to us. Like the Apostle Paul, you were faithful to him even unto death. And he was faithful to you even unto death. Fathers, we give this invitation. If there are those here that are lost, there are those here that need to be baptized, if there are those here today that need a church home, Father, if there are those here that have strayed and they just need to come back, and this is a call for them today to return to the Lord, to repent of their sin, and to reclaim the joy that is theirs as a child of God, Lord, I pray they'd do that today before it's too late. And now, Father, speak to hearts. I, I can proclaim truth, but only you can impart truth. And I pray you'd impart this truth today for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to stand and sing our hymn, Paula. Hymn 480. Hymn number 480. The staff's going to be standing down front. I'm going to ask you to come from the balcony. It takes a few more moments. That's why we put these steps down here. You come from the balcony. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about First Baptist Pelham and other free resources like this one, log on to fbcpelham.org.